Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, I'm delighted today to be talking to my friend, Father Tom Garino. The Reverend Dr. Thomas G. Garino is Professor of Systematic Theology at Seton Hall University in New Jersey. He and I have known each other for a long time, and we've been involved in a project called Evangelicals and Catholics Together. Tom, welcome to the Beeson Podcast. Thank you, Dr. George. So wonderful to be with you and the people at Beeson. Now, uh, Evangelicals and Catholics Together has been around for a couple of decades, uh, do you remember kind of the very beginning point, how you first heard about it and got involved with it? I remember very well, Timothy. Uh, first of all, uh, as you know, our, our founders were uh, Chuck Colson, the great Chuck Colson, the great witness to Christ and preacher, and uh, Father Richard John Newhouse, who uh, was so interested in the role of faith and religion in the public square. And both of them were deeply concerned that religion was becoming privatized in American society, they were concerned about our deteriorating moral culture, and they were also concerned about the relationship between evangelicals and Catholics in South America. There were a number of troubles there between the, the two denominations, and they thought it was so important that evangelicals and Catholics, who believe many, many things in common, and who share and seek to, to live a discipleship of Christ and a biblical morality, they thought it was so important that we come together to give a public witness to Jesus Christ, both theologically and culturally. In our very first statement, I remember we made a big point of saying that we wanted to say to one another, we are brothers and sisters together in the Lord. Yes, that was such an important affirmation, uh, because I think, as you know, and, and Timothy, you were one of the first defenders of the project of evangelicals and Catholics together. One of the elements of this group, of this society, was to go beyond simply moral co-belligerency. Uh, yes, there, there were uh, issues in our society, such as abortion, uh, which we wanted to stand firmly against. We wanted to promote a biblical morality, a love for all life, a love for all the vulnerable, a love for all the handicapped. Uh, but we also wanted to say, it's not simply standing together on biblical morality. It's saying we want to stand together in our witness to Jesus Christ in co-discipleship. And as such, we are truly brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, this did, in a way, grow out of that unique friendship between the Father Richard John Newhouse and Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson uh, gave his life, uh, after he became a Christian, in prison uh, for prison reform and caring for prisoners and the children of prisoners, their families. But he, he was also concerned about, you know, the things that lead people to prison. Why, why do people go to prison? What, what, are, what are the sources of crime in our society? And when you dig into that, you, you come upon a spiritual issue that has to be addressed at a deeper level than just society and organizations. So that was his motivation. Richard John Newhouse had been a Lutheran, grown up in the Lutheran Church, became a Roman Catholic. And so they were uniquely fitted, I think, to call these two communities into a new conversation. Absolutely right. And what I appreciate about both of them uh, was they both thought it was important that we articulate our common Christian faith, witness, and belief, that we get this out in the public square, and that also as Christians, 
we take upon us to ourselves the task and duty of the right ordering of society, that this is part of what our religious faith is all about, that society has a proper order. Uh, as you alluded to, there are a lot of problems in society, uh, problems that lead pe- people to prison, which are ultimately spiritual problems. Uh, but they thought that we had to deal with the person individually, but also the larger societal questions. In what direction is our society moving? What are the problems facing our society? And how can religious, biblical faith address some of those issues? Now, later this year, uh, there is to be published a new book which contains all nine statements that have come out of the Evangelicals and Catholics Together movement called ECT, Evangelicals and Catholics Together at 20. You want to, you want to say a little bit about that book project and what we hope will happen from it? Yes, wonderful, Timothy. Yes, uh, as you said, we have this tremendous book coming out, ECT at 20, Evangelicals and Catholics Together at 20. And first of all, it shows how long we've been together uh, for 20 years discussing important theological and cultural issues. Uh, the, the, the importance of this book will, that it will bring these nine statements that we have fashioned over these past 20 years, these nine agreed statements, it will bring them before a much wider audience. They were originally published in First Things, and some of them were originally published also in Christianity Today. Uh, but we hope now to bring all of these statements to make them easily accessible. And the book has many, many fine features that uh, I think our listeners would be interested in. Uh, in the first place, there are very fine introductions by Dr. Jim Packer and Cardinal Timothy Dolan, uh, both of whom are great supporters of the ECT. Of course, uh, Dr. Packer is a long-time participant and still is a participant uh, in, in Evangelicals and Catholics Together. Uh, we have an introduction by, um, by a forward, rather, by George Weigel on some of the history and historical background uh, involving both Chuck Colson and Richard John Newhouse. And then we ourselves have a theological introduction in which we talk about the history of ecumenism, the relationship between Evangelicals and Catholics, and how that has improved uh, over the last decades and how much progress we've made together. Uh, then we have the nine statements, and before each statement, there is a very, very fine introduction by one of the members of ECT. Uh, and finally, we have a conclusion, a kind of looking forward uh, by uh, Rusty Reno, the editor of First Things, and Kevin Van Hooser, the very fine uh, evangelical theologian, a kind of prospectus for the future of ECT. So the book is called Evangelicals and Catholics Together at 20, Vital Statements on Contested Topics. It's published by Baker Academic, and I'm sure you can get it uh, through Amazon.com, wherever you want to buy books these days. Yes, and it's already available. It's up on Amazon if anybody wants to pre-order, but it will be available to the public uh, on November 30th is the scheduled release date. So just not long from now. You know, I remember when the first ECT statement came out, I was asked to write an editorial for Christianity Today, and I Mm -hmm. chose the the theme, uh, the the title, uh, Ecumenism of the Trenches, because it, mm-hmm. it did seem to me we were engaged in a, a kind of uh, struggle, and we were called mm-hmm. together to bear witness together, to stand together against so many of these trends that were dehumanizing in our culture mm-hmm. today. But as you say, once in the trenches, we not only were looking outward toward a common foe, we began to look toward one another 
into one another's hearts in a way and to discover there a living faith. And so the nine statements have, have, you might say, followed a two-track kind of strategy. We, Mm -hmm. we've dealt with issues, uh, concerning, uh, public policy and social ethics. Sanct- mm-hmm. Sanctity of life, religious freedom, one of our most recent mm-hmm. statements. Uh, but also we've dealt with issues that are thorny theological problems between the two traditions. So maybe we, we could say a, a little bit about some of those. I'm thinking uh, the, the gift of salvation was probably one of the most controversial early on. Yes, thank you, Timothy. I, if you don't mind, I'd like to mention a couple of my favorite statements. Sure. I think uh, our listeners would be interested in knowing them. Uh, Dr. George just mentioned our statement on justification called the gift of salvation. This was our second, really, our, uh, in some ways, our first statement after the opening statement. The opening statement was really a declaration that evangelicals and Catholics are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus and can bring much to bear in terms of their personal witness to Christ, uh, both to each other and to society at large. But then we wanted to get down to some of the the, the, the nitty-gritty issues that have separated, at least ostensibly, evangelicals and Catholics since the time of the Reformation. And uh, our first our first task was to look at the question of justification, and I think we produced a very fine statement on our justification in Jesus Christ. Uh, it was a controversial, um, it was a controversial statement, and someone like Chuck Colson, as you know well, Timothy, took a great deal of heat for it. Uh, even though it affirmed quite clearly some of the central tenets of the Reformation, uh, although perhaps uh, looked upon from the Catholic perspective and the evangelical perspective. But I think there was a great deal of agreement reached in that statement. Uh, Tom Oden, by the way, the very fine Methodist theologian in our book, has an introduction to that, which I think everyone will enjoy. It's very, very beautifully written, very carefully written about what were the theological concerns and how were they handled in our discussions. Um, After that, we dealt with the question of Scripture and tradition, again, uh, a theme that ostensibly has separated us, and I thought that was an extremely rich theological statement on uh, Scripture as the source and summit of uh, Christian life, Scripture as the uh, foundation of of, uh, Christian truth and revelation, but at the same time recognizing that there's always an important role for tradition in the life of the Church. Uh, That, I think, too, our readers will enjoy. And let me just mention quickly uh, three statements that I thought were were very, very well wrought. One was our statement that they may have life in 2006, in which we dealt not only with abortion, but with the handicapped, with the the elderly, the vulnerable elderly, and with all aspects of human life, and the importance for the Christian to uh, take care of every human being from natural conception, from the moment of conception until natural death. And our two recent statements, one on religious freedom, which of course is a burning issue for contemporary society, and similarly our statement on marriage, which, as everyone knows, is extraordinarily controversial today. So those are a couple of my favorites, Timothy. Perhaps you have similar ones. Well, no, I would choose some of the same ones. Maybe I would also throw in the one we did on the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yeah. 
You know, mm-hmm. that was is also a major point of division historically. Yes. And we, we were not in complete agreement on Mary, but we were able to say a lot together about Mary uh, that was surprising to some people. And here's the thing. Our strategy always was to begin with the, the scriptures, which we share in common. We study them mm-hmm. together. We bring our thoughts and our theology to the table around the Holy Scriptures. We, we are able to say as clearly as we can and as concisely as we can those areas where we find ourselves in close agreement. And mm-hmm. and th- and then uh, in every single statement, I think this is true, where there are differences, we also end by saying we, we are not agreed on this, that, and the other. And, right. and and so there's an honesty with this kind of engagement. I have called it an ecumenism of conviction, not an ecumenism of accommodation. Because Absolutely we're, right. we're not just seeking the lowest common denominator and uh, let, let's hold hands and be nice. This is sometimes very frank, uh, brutally frank uh, conversations with one another in love and with respect around these great historic theological doctrinal divides. Well, one of the things that was said in, in the very first ECP statement is that there can be no unity except unity in the truth. And therefore, any false irenicism was ruled out right from the beginning, that we will be totally frank with each other, where we think we're, we're together, where we think we still have differences. To some extent, we're able to bridge differences, and other instances, we're not able to bridge them. But we share a great deal in terms of our faith in Christ and in the Holy Trinity, and this is the kind of uh, discipleship we seek to bear witness to. Uh, but you're absolutely right. There was no, there was never any uh, sense that somehow there should be compromise of positions. Just the opposite. We made very clear that we have some differences. We should we should speak about these frankly, get them on the table. But at the same time, I think we've learned that unity does not mean uniformity. Mm. Um, you know, one of the uh, one of the great axioms in the Christian tradition, uh, which we cite in the theological introduction to the book, is diversi sed non adversi. Mm. That sometimes you can take different points of view, but that doesn't mean they're adversarial points of view. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we may approach some element of divine revelation from a unique angle or perspective. doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be opposed to what our partners believe, but it simply may be a different perspective that in some instances may be able to be integrated. Now, you know, both you and I have been involved in all kinds of different ecumenical initiatives and discussions and conversations that go on all the time. ECT has followed a somewhat uh, unique, distinctive strategy in that we are not an official uh, kind of bilateral conversation or dialogue. No, n- we're not appointed by our churches to, to represent anyone. We speak to our churches and from our churches, but not for our churches. We've made that very clear from the beginning. And so uh, in a way, uh, you might say, well, what are your statements matter? Well, they matter because, you know, we, we are theologians who bring whatever gifts we have to this enterprise and we offer them, uh, to the Lord and to the churches. And so th- they have attained a kind of traction, I would say, mm-hmm. that even some of the official bilateral di- dialogues have not had. We've had a freedom of space to move and to think and to maneuver 
that's really uh, been very useful. I think you're right, Timothy. And I, I saw one commentator made what I thought was an insightful statement. He says, precisely because of what you say, that we, we don't represent any churches, he said, this has been a uniquely American way of doing it. <laughs> I don't being know if that's free, a compliment or not, but... <laughs> I, I, I think it was meant to, I meant to say that it was being free and being creative yeah. and not being bridled by any particular institution or... Uh, uh, norms that are issued by someone else. We set the norms uh, of our discussion. Right. We set the topics that are going to be discussed. Now, we approach them from our deep Christian convictions, mm. but we set, we set the boundaries of where we're going to go, or maybe most importantly, which issues we think need to be addressed at this moment. Yeah. And I think this helps the, and I think, uh, and I hope our listeners find that useful, but we try to address issues which are extremely topical uh, for contemporary society. Uh, and we have the freedom to do that precisely because we choose the topics. There's one, one other thing I, I'd want to bring out about our work together, and that, that's sort of the spirituality of the, of the movement of ECT, uh, because it's grounded, as we've said already, in, in a common commitment to Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, and also in prayer. And, and we have, we, all of our meetings have been suffused with prayer as well as the, the Holy Scriptures. And so I think there is a, there is an ecumenism of the heart here that is, mm-hmm. uh, very much in play. I think you're absolutely right, Timothy, and I would like to add to the spiritual dimension, the dimension of friendship. Um, I have been involved, as you have, uh, for 20 years now in ECT, and I think uh, it, it certainly helps ecumenism when you get to know your partners. Uh, you enter into their point of view as friends, as fellow disciples of Christ, as uh, recognizing that the other person is seeking to be spiritually faithful to Christ. And I think once you kind of empathize with the other point of view and are able to see it, you enter into the logic of the position, and you can see how the logic plays out. And uh, and I mean logic not in terms of uh, arithmetical logic, but kind of the reasoning process. And when that reasoning process, it helps you be uh, extremely empathetic with the other point of view and to incorporate it as much as you can into your own. And I think that uh, one of the things I've really learned on ECT over the past 20 years is to be able to to see the seriousness of evangelical theologians, the seriousness of their position, which they follow theologically and spiritually, and to try to, in some way, enter into that myself, uh, to adopt that perspective, and perhaps that will shed light on the Catholic point of view, and, I, and I'm sure the evangelical partners do the same. I'm talking today to the Reverend Dr. Thomas G. Garino, Father Garino, is a professor of systematic theology at Seton Hall University. He's a distinguished Catholic theologian, written many books. Uh, one of my favorite books that you've written, Tom, is Vincent of Laran and the Development of Doctrine. Now, that may seem a little uh, arcane to some listeners who are not into uh, patristic theology or historical theology. Tell us in a just a brief capsule, if you can, what that book's about and who was Vincent of Laran. Yeah, well, Vincent was a very interesting person, uh, Timothy. Vincent was a uh, a theologian who wrote in the early 5th century, and uh, he's very, very interesting because he's reflecting. Now, in the early 5th century, the Church had been through a few battles, uh, for example, with Arius about the divinity of Jesus Christ, 
was Jesus truly divine? And much of Vincent's work was an argument that Jesus of Nazareth is the eternal Son of God, uh, consubstantial with the Father, one in being with the Father. This was so important for him to defend. But Vincent wanted to say, uh, we may not find uh, the word in Scripture that Jesus, we don't find that uh, English word consubstantial or Latin or Greek word, but Vincent wants to say the entire Scriptures give witness to the fact that Jesus of Nazareth is divine, that Jesus of Nazareth is the eternal Son of God. So he's very interesting because he wants to say, we may use different words here in the early 5th century. We may not find some of the words we use today that in the Bible, but the Bible gives witness to these ideas which we then formulate. And so he was a great defender of the idea that there is some development over time in the life of the Church, but it's firmly grounded in scriptural witness. So that title of the book, Vincent of Lorraine and, and the Development of Christian Doctrine, Vincent wanted to say, yes, there is some development, but it's rooted in the scriptures, and it's rooted in the ancient tradition of the Church. And I'll just close with this thought. Vincent is noted for, for saying that the Church holds and believes that which has been taught, semper ubique et ab omnibus, always, by everyone, and by every, and everywhere. And so Vincent wanted to say, yes, the ancient faith of the Church may be spoken in a new way today, but it's still the ancient faith of the Church which is preserved. That's a very important point. You know, you mentioned our friend uh, Tom Oden, one of our fellow ECT collaborators, and he has this idea of the consensual wisdom that is there in both East and West, though there are differences, of course, but there is a consensus. There is a mainstream of historic Christian orthodoxy, and Vincent of Lorraine, I think, in some ways is helping us to define that and talk about that in a theologically precise way. So that's a very important work you've done there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and I just call reader, uh, listeners, our listeners' attention again to, to Tom's, uh, introduction in, uh, in the volume, Evangelicals and Catholics Together at 20, because Tom makes this point. He says, when we're talking about justification, let's look at the first few centuries and how the ancient Christian writers dealt with this issue, and that will provide us light and an open path for today. My colleague, uh, Father Tom Garino, and I have edited a new book, Evangelicals and Catholics Together at 20, Vital Statements on Contested Topics. It's available from Baker Academic. We recommend that you get it and share it with others. Uh, get it for your church library or uh, pass it along to someone who's interested, particularly in the relationship between evangelicals and Catholics, the two largest religious communities in North America. And this was a part of the genius that Father Newhouse and Chuck Colson had those more than 20 years ago when they called this uh, group together into being. Now, uh, Tom, I wanted to ask you, we're about out of time. Uh, where's ECT today? What's on the horizon? Well, uh, it's a great question, and I think that our work in ecumenism will continue uh, in, in some ways. Uh, unfortunately, the culture continually gives us challenges that we have to meet. Uh, I talked earlier, as you did, about religious freedom. This is something that uh, I think will continue. 
not only in American society, but worldwide. Can people have the freedom to practice their faith? And not only practice their faith by meaning praying in their homes and being able to go to church, but can they live their Christian commitments in every aspect of their lives? Can they live their Christian commitments in the public square? I think this will be a continuing challenge to us. Um, there are there are moral challenges to, on questions such as assisted suicide, which uh, unfortunately is gathering steam. Um, Twenty years ago, uh, the idea of same-sex marriage was considered uh, preposterous, except by a few people. Uh, now it's considered the law of the uh, United States of America. Uh, you have significant groups saying today that men and women should have the freedom to end their lives, uh, that this is a personal decision. So I think ECT will have to take that on. Um, but more theologically, uh, I think our next topic, we, uh, as you know, Timothy, we're going to meet in December of this year, and we're going to take up the question is, what Christian identity is? And by, th- and by that we mean, are we living at a time and a place where people, the culture in general, has less understanding of what Christianity is? Who are Christians? What do we believe? Uh, in what ways do we act? For what things do we hope? I think this is an exciting project that ECT will be undertaking, and uh, very, very soon we'll be meeting about it. It's different than anything we've done before, uh, but it maybe is the, the topic that we're called to, we're summoned to at this moment, what Christianity is and how to talk about that as Catholics and evangelicals together. So I'm looking forward to joining with you and other friends in New York in a few weeks as we begin to explore this topic. Well, uh, this has been a great conversation, Tom. I, I think uh, your friendship and, and your support for this movement has meant so much to me and to all of us as we've shared our gifts, the various gifts that we have from the Lord in the service of the unity of, uh, of, of his church, the body of Christ. So God bless you and the good work you're doing at Seton Hall and all the work you do as a theologian and as a, a person of the church. Well, Dr. George, I just want to say that, you know, I have very much appreciated my work with ECT, but having you as co-chairman for these years and as a colleague for all the years we've served together has made this movement and this project really a joy. So thank you and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.